0: Hi, welcome to This Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach, and mentor. As you'll know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, each week my friends and I talk to active property investors about their experience in property. This week I feel very privileged to be joined by the marvellous Nick Claydon. Nick is the other half of a formidable property duo with his wife Caroline, who you will of course know as one of my lovely co-hosts on the podcast. Nick is a hugely knowledgeable and experienced investor who is responsible for helping countless people all over the UK launch their own investment businesses and achieve their goals through property. As you will hear, Nick is still an incredibly active investor, but he isn't somebody that flaunts what he's up to all over social media, so I'm genuinely excited for you to hear about Nick and his story. In this episode, we talk about finding opportunities no matter what the property market might be doing, the importance of getting educated if you want to scale, and the exciting strategy of converting Rundown guest houses into boutique smart hotels, a strategy that is very close to my own heart. But that's quite enough from me. Let's hear now from Nick Clayton. Good morning Nick, welcome to the podcast.
1: How are you doing? Yeah, morning Mark. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, very good. Thanks. How are you?
0: Excellent. Yeah, I'm I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. It's uh I'm very aware that you're um A very experienced and knowledgeable investor who has been uh, mentoring and um, coaching other people and helping lots of people change their lives through through property for 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 many years now but you're not necessarily somebody that likes to peddle your wares all over social media and you know you're not into that really into that self-promotion thing so I'm just conscious that there's a lot of um, our listeners that may not know about what you do and and your story and I guess what I'm trying to say is I've always wanted to say that this is an exclusive. I feel this is as, ex-
1: as close to an exclusive interview as I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, no, i will say I, I, you know, I, you're, you're right. I, I, I kind of like to be a little bit under the radar, which is probably not great from a self-promotion perspective, <laughs> but I've never really been in it for that. Um, it's, you know, um, I, I, I have either half who, who kind of does a lot of that. So I, I, I kind of don't have to, if you like, um, and I prefer, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, my personal coaching clients, for example, they tend to find me and approach me, and that's kind of how, how I like it. Um, I don't work with a huge amount of people; just a select kind of group of, you know, active active investors. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, I, I'm a bit underrated. so it's it's a bit of an exclusive. <laughs> I'm not trying to think of a, you know, <laughs> um, you know, a, an example, but yeah, no, okay. I don't give a lot of interviews. I
0: Okay, well, I feel I feel like I'm lifting the lid. This is this is exciting, uh, uh, introducing you to the world. So uh, no, that, that, that's good. So um, so yeah, well, well I, I guess it makes sense, therefore, to start from the beginning and maybe tell us okay. a little bit about what life was like before you discovered property and, and and what what really drove you to sort of start investing in property in the first place.
1: It, yeah, it, it's um, it's always been there. I can't really remember a time when it hasn't been somewhere in the back of my brain property there's there's always been something about property that I've always been fascinated about I think the first time I probably actually thought about investing was back when I was at university which is going back quite a few years quite a few years now I won't say exactly how many but (laughs) many (laughs) Um, and I was at university in Birmingham and um, I remember you know renting a house there and you know as we were a group of friends you know we were A little bit slacking, kind of getting organised. We ended up, kind of last minute, getting a house and feeling we got a bit ripped off. I think we were paying thirty five pounds a week for this house, which was an absolute hellhole. Uh, But it was really, really close to the uni, and I just remember doing the maths and thinking, "Hang on a minute, there's six of us in this house. We're paying thirty five pound a week." And I, you know, had a little look in the in the in the windows because obviously this is pre internet days, uh, back in the stone age. Um, so I had a look in some windows and saw the prices of some of the houses around about you know 35 40 50k houses at that time in the student area i was just did the math I thought wow this guy our landlords just yeah. making yeah. loads of money here this is great <laughs> you know this I should do that and then I had that thought and then I think probably someone asked me out for a beer maybe out for beer and kind of you know it, it became went into the background again
2: yeah.
1: but it, I never left it never left me that it that, that you know, thought. So I, I, I started seeking out kind of books on, on that. But, you know, you've got the the um, conditioned response, I guess, that's been drilled into you or was to me, you know, while I was young about going to school, get your grades, get to university, get a, in quote marks, good job. Um, and, you know, that, that was your life kind of mapped out. So kind of being a property investor never really felt like a career choice. It was all, you know, but, but it was always there. So that's kind of where if I had to think about where did it actually first start, it was there. Um, and I did return to that, which will probably come to us as as, as as we talk about kind of my experience, I guess. Um, but that's where it really started. You know, I read I remember I was in a court. I went into corporate life. I was a corporate recruiter, kind of sales job, um, which I kind of fell into. It's not exactly something that you know you you know you dream about as a as a little boy yeah great I want to be a recruiter when I grow up um it's just one of things you kind of fall into with, within the absence of, of any you know clear vocation or clear desire yeah. to do something um paid all right you know um and yeah you know nine years later I st- I'm still there but I remember back in 2001 I think I first picked up rich dad poor dad Robert okay. Kiyosaki, which came out in nineteen eighty-seven, the original book, I read it in 2000, 2001, I think, kind of four years into my corporate recruitment career. I thought, this is genius. This is why, why is this not taught? Yeah. Um, read the book, put it down again, went back to work for another five years. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the 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 real light bulb moment came, I think, when um, I met Mother Half Caroline. She worked at the same company, yeah. um, so that was a, a Christmas party liaison, which kind of grew into where I am now. Um, and um, yeah, we were very obviously like minded, and you know, we both had the same conversations about, you know, th- this is we've got to get out of what we're doing. We've got to do something for ourselves. And so we started our, our own, our first kind of step into self-employment, or what I now brought more broadly call living life on your terms. Yeah, um, was to leave our corporate careers and, and set up our own recruitment business, okay. so which we kind of set up as a, as a lifestyle business. We did the numbers on it and thought we don't actually need to make that many placements to. Um, you know, to, to do really, really nicely out of this. And, and, and we can then invest. That was with a view to creating
0: a bit of flexibility, was it? So that you could actually sort of spool up the property stuff on, on the side?
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it was, a, yeah, so, you know, at the back of that time, the only way we thought that you could buy, scale up a property business and buy properties was to, um, um, you know, save up, mm. get excess funds, put a deposit in, rent it out, yeah. then start again and, and repeat that process. Yeah. Um, but the bug was already there for property. So I remember, you know, I was talking to another guy. So not only did I meet Rick, uh, sorry, Caroline, my wife, through that um, I met one of my best friends, Rick, yeah. who worked, who I worked with in recruitment as well the same company. And we used to talk about property quite a lot. Um, and um, because our manager at the time, he kept drilling into it. So he said every time you get a bonus, go and buy a house. Yeah, you know, and yeah. he was snapping up houses in Coventry. You know, he was... Buying houses at twenty twenty five k in Coventry, so he'd get like a five k bonus and go buy a house with it. Yeah, you know. And I remember him saying to him, use don't spend it, go and buy houses, go and buy houses. Anyway, obviously, he never did <laughs> at that time. And um, I could then kind of moved away to work in a different office. Yeah, you know, I was working with Rick in Watford. I grew up in, in northwest London, um, and um, I got an opportunity to get a managing office out in Swindon. Pretty random, but took the opportunity because I was climbing the corporate ladder. Um, and I remember having a conversation with Rick and we were going on and on about property. And I think he'd just bought a second house. And I was saying, I really want to do it. And I remember he, <laughs> he said to me one lunchtime when I was on the phone, kind of wasting time. He's was like, will you just go out and buy a
2: bloody house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, all right? So, and literally I did that day. And I went out and um, I viewed a house in Swindon um did everything wrong obviously it was a a new build new development um but you know i remember my negotiation i think it was get the numbers right it was on the market for 108,950 right a little two-bed apartment in a new development a couple of amateur guys who'd done it i said um okay i'll offer you 100 no no Will you take any discount? No, it's 189 Oh, okay, I'll buy it then. <laughs> that was my negotiation. So I've had to learn. <laughs> <My> <laughs> this, is, yeah, from, this is coming from a sales environment, you know, where I'll negotiate every single day. But when it actually came to that, I was, I was rubbish. Um, anyway, I bought this house. Um, I still own it, 20-odd years later, and that was my first kind of investment buy.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, so, so Rick, who's now, you know, I now work within, you know, with the, property wealth and stuff which i'm sure we'll probably talk about as well Um, he's one of the mentors and trainers there Um, but he he was kind of instigated my initial purchase which 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 was great Um, so yeah so going back to um caroline and i so we set up this lifestyle recruitment business because we wanted to have a bit flexibility get some extra income start investing um and it went really well our first placement was her brother who um, was like a high-flying lawyer and he was like he wanted to move firms now he could have easily done it himself yeah but he said oh you know do you want do you want to like help me get another I'm just, yeah great so we like sent his cv out to five firms he got five interviews and five offers um so it was like the easiest placement we ever made and one of the most lucrative we thought do you know what this is pretty easy yeah this is cool so this is back in 2007 we had one great year and then 2008 came and everything turned on its head um the recession literally just killed our our recruitment business overnight we, we we were working with the kind of big four accounting firms and the odd law firm and um yeah overnight they literally just stopped recruiting so we we're faced with either starting from scratch yeah or moving overseas and, and going somewhere where the recession wasn't quite as bad like australia uh which didn't go down too well with um with the other half so um yeah and then we kind of had a conversation i wouldn't I mean, know we were out in malaysia because we did a lot of international recruitment we were we were finding like candidates in malaysia and placing them in like the channel islands for one of the big four accounting firms or the cayman islands or something like that it all sounds very glamorous um and you know so we used to go out to, to the far east on recruitment drives and find candidates to then place elsewhere and it was on one of these that we realized you know everything was effectively going down the toilet yeah. And I was trying to get Caroline to kind of, you know, to, um, you know, to get on board with the property side of things. She, she kind of the theory was there; she knew she wanted to do it, but I needed, you know, to really get her to see it. Um, she's not a big reader; I wasn't then. Um, and I went out and I said, "Right, what do we, you know, if we, how are we going to learn this?" She said, "Right, let's go start get some books, let's read." So I went out to a bookshop in Singapore. So I was in Singapore not maybe I remember now. Um, went to bookshop found one of the rich dad books which was actually increase your financial IQ
2: yeah
1: got that back I said to her read that please just read that and I've never seen her sit down and read a book from start to finish like that and she did and she literally read it put the book down said we're doing that
2: yeah
1: great so that was step one really and we came back and we thought right that's it we're gonna not try and regenerate the recruitment business we're just going to go full on into property and, that, and that's kind of where we started
0: so do you look back on that period that sort of 2008 and and the the the, the financial crash and the implications that I have for your business do you now look back on that as a pivotal moment in the sense that it gave you a very strong why if you like or a very strong reason to actually hit this pretty hard do you think it would have just uh, ticked along in the background otherwise if you hadn't have had that push if you like
1: yeah, absolutely. It was, it was completely pivotal. Um, you know, I look back on, on that. That's why I can you know, remember it really clearly um, exactly where we were and what we were doing. Yeah. It, it was incredibly, you know, cred, incredibly pivotal. It, it changed everything. Um, and without that happening, yeah, I, d- I don't know. And we, we, we sometimes say, God, what, what, what would we have done if we hadn't have done this? Yeah. And we don't, we can't answer. We don't know. It, it felt like it was a real, you know, you hear that sliding doors moment. It really was. Yeah. It took us off in this in this direction, something that we could get passionate about. We didn't know how we were going to do it, you know, and we had a lot of negativity from our families about it.
0: So, do you look back on that that period uh, of two thousand and eight and the financial crash and the impact that that had on your on your business? And do you do you now look at that as a as a pivotal period in the sense that? It sort of gave you that push that you needed to 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 move into property, whereas
1: otherwise it might have just sort of ticked along as a little a bit of a sideline interest. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it couldn't be more pivotal, really. In in what in, in what we've done since, um, it was a complete sliding doors moment. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's um, I, I think w- without that push, without the, the need and the desire to do something different, we we would have just ticked along. We would have we would have collected a few properties on the way i don't think we 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 would never have done anything like what we do now no chance
0: so, what, so what what became different so you you had invested a little bit by that point in an amateur level if you like and you you, you described it as i made all, all of the mistakes so what gave you the confidence and the knowledge to really sort of up your game and 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 treat it as a as a profession
1: um it was actually seeing that people were doing that Okay. professionally and the scaling up because, you know, we, we were very limited in our thinking. Um I couldn't, I just couldn't see how somebody could maybe get a portfolio of 20 properties. It's like, how, how can you do that?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, unless you've got loads of money, how, you know, if you, ha- you can only buy one house a year because that's all the surplus income you've got. How, how, how can you go and buy, how can you have 20? I mean, new people that had 20, 30 plus properties, Um, you know, we saw people doing commercial stuff and oh. like, well, t- you know, I, I couldn't see it. Um, so we started going to networking meetings, just talking to people who've done it, hearing the stories. Um, and then we went to one networking meeting where there was a guy there who um, who was a, he said he was a mentor for, you know, a property training company. We didn't even know there was such a thing as property training companies. Yeah. Anyway, he kind of, you know, he said at the front, he said, right, you know, who's got, who's got some properties in the room? And I was like, yeah, because we had a couple of properties by them. And He said, Oh, you know, they they they're good doing well. So yeah, they're doing pretty well. Um and he said, Well, would give me the numbers, you know, what's it rent for? Blah blah blah. And he just did a cash flow calculation, you know, rent minus you know, operation expenses, blah blah mortgage, blah blah blah. And it came out that we were negative every month. He went, Okay, still still think it's good? We we're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um and it was it was a real wake-up call. And he said, well, Look, um, this is how professionals do it. If you if you if you if you want to learn how to be a professional investor. Yeah, I'm doing a talk next week, come and see. It. Yeah. So, so we, we went there and, you know, now looking back, we know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So we went through a kind of a funnel into into training, property training. But for yeah. us, it was a no-brainer. It really was. It was like, you know, there was a desire to do this professionally, to make it our living, make it our business. And to do that, we had to learn from people that had done exactly that. Yeah. Going to the networking meetings and talking, you know, I remember talking to a guy at a networking meeting, how long have you been in property? Oh, I've been in property like five, six years. Okay, well, you know, so I asked the amateur question. Oh, how many properties you got? He said, oh, I haven't got any yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm gearing up to, to, to get one. Like, wow, <laughs> you yeah, know, you've been going to property networking meetings for five years and you say your property, you haven't bought a house yet. Yeah. So that was what we wanted to get away from. We wanted to avoid those kind of people. We wanted to talk to people that had successfully gone out and built a portfolio of 20, 30 houses or, you know, we didn't even know things like HMOs existed and stuff like that, you know, at that point. But it was all, the training we did massively opened our eyes to what was possible. And, I, you know, having read quite a lot of self-improvement you know, improvement books and things, whatever you want to call them, by that point, I mean, I was just asking myself a question. So look, look, these guys can do it. Said, well, we can do it. Why can't we do it? We can. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that, that was the, you know, it just took us down that path to, to, to go and learn from professionals and 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 to and to mirror that and then go and do it ourselves.
0: So what was your strategy starting out then? How did it grow?
1: Our strategy was straight by to let's to start with. Okay. You know, we had a clear target. We wanted to replace our, our, our necessary income, our kind of bills, you know, pay the bills figure, which at that time, I think was about three grand a month. Yeah. Um, this is going back to like 2009, 10, when, you know, the property world was quite different to what it is now. And the market was such you know, everything was crashing. I mean, we we're literally having agents, you know, desperately trying to sell us houses very, very different to what probably a lot of people are seeing right now. Yeah. But you know, that, that cycle will turn. It will turn again. Yeah. Um, and, um, it will, it will come back at some point, but at that time it was literally, you know, it was fill your boots time. Yeah. It, it, but, but there was other challenges. So whilst finding properties was easy, getting them below value was quite straightforward.
2: Yeah.
1: What was challenging was financing. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the mortgage market, I think shrunk about 90% from 2007 to mid 2008. Yeah. Um, you know, so getting mortgages was challenging and getting, getting your values on the back end was really challenging. So, you know, and I i talked to a lot of students now who, who are saying, oh, yeah, it's really difficult to find houses. Yeah. Um, I say, well, yeah, but you know, it's pretty easy to get mortgages. You know, you're getting your done-up values. You know, so you never have everything. You can never tick every box. Yeah. You know, so you've got to adapt and change to what's going on in the market. You know, it, it's never, it's it's never all straightforward.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's hard. It's it's hard to imagine for anybody starting out or, or reasonably early on in their property investment journey right now. It's quite hard to imagine that those conditions existed where where it was very much a buyer's market and that you you know you could pick up distressed property for ten a penny and and what have you that being said i think that that's that's the realization isn't it that there are opportunities every point in the property cycle which does i know we've had unprecedented conditions over the last couple of years but in many ways the conditions it's created in the property market are not unprecedented. We've seen them before. We'll see them again. And, and actually it's knowing where to find the opportunities, isn't
1: it? Exactly. You know, I, 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 I see this all the time I think, well, look, you know, what we're seeing now is just what it was like in 2006, seven.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and then what you look at what happened and, and that will, it's going to happen again,
2: yeah.
1: it will, it will happen. So you just be ready, you know, I'll have these conversations. All the, all the students I speak to are saying, oh, it's really difficult to find houses. OK, let's have that conversation in five years time and, and or whenever, you know, because it will happen. And then and then you'll be you'll be saying, oh, but it's really difficult to get mortgages or it's really difficult to get your refinances. Oh, well, yeah, it's never going to be, you know, tick every box every time. But just it's about being adapt, adaptable. Yeah. So
0: so where did things go from there? Because um, teaser alert, I, I'm, I'm well aware that you're moving on your second hotel Uh, development project at at the moment i i can't imagine you jumped straight from doing little buy-to-lets to to investing in hotels so how how did how have things moved on over the last few years since you started out investing professionally
1: yeah so we started we we, you know we we moved pretty quickly on the buy-to-lets and you know we went from doing a deal a year to a deal a month yeah and we built up our buy-to-let portfolio really quickly following all the principles yeah that we learn and I now teach buying below market value, refurbing, refinancing, you know, scaling up, doing all that. So we, we um, you know, we, we brought up a significant portfolio of buy and then fast it's about becoming more efficient, moving up, up the scale. And that's when, um, you know, we learned about HMOs um, and that's when the kind of the, the back of my mind, you know, the, 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 the kind of switch went and I thought, well, look, okay, if I'm going to do that, Let's go back to Birmingham and do it there. Yeah. I, w- I wanted to scratch that itch. I wanted to go back and, and prove that what I thought about 15 years before could, could work. And that's exactly what I did. So went back to, to Birmingham to where I, I, I've now bought houses on the streets where I lived when I was a student. The same principles apply there. Yeah. Um, it's a big university. Um, it, you know, it's, it's 30, 30 40,000 students there. It's yeah. a very compact area where they want to live um and and it all work the numbers are different yeah. <laughs> um, but they still stack yeah um you know whereas i was paying 35 pounds a week you know my, my house is rent for 120 pounds a week yeah um the houses you could buy at 50k but you know i can't buy them for less than 300 yeah. so um the numbers are very different but they but it still works so i moved into the hbo market and that was about um, creating, you know, real top of the line HMOs. I, I went there and I saw what the, the, the top of the market was, what some of the other investors were doing. And I, I mirrored that um, and created kind of six, seven bed, high high quality HMOs from three bed houses. Yeah. Um, and rolled out that model. Um, and then, you know, the, the market in Birmingham changed a little bit, start so bringing in things like Article 4, yeah. which changed the market made the numbers not quite stack up anymore so i then took that model and moved it and and, and repeated it in liverpool yep. um had a lot of the same um kind of criteria and factors that were important in birmingham kind of very similar so yeah did the same thing there and built up a portfolio of student hmos there Yeah. so majority of my houses, is student uh, hmos are student hmos i like that model yeah doesn't mean that's right in a you know but it, it, it's good for me. I like it. I prefer it to, to other types of HMOs. And then from that, you know, that, that you know, I went from doing 10, 15K refurbs on buy to to doing 80, 90, 100K developments really on, on HMOs. That was a big learning curve. And that then really, you know, set the, the scene for what I really wanted to get into, which is going back to I east to play Monopoly as a kid. I always wanted to do hotels. <laughs> The big, the, the big red block, yeah. Big red block,
0: red
1: yeah. They're red, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that was, and I remember that that was one of the lines in the Robert Kiyosaki books. It keeps referring to little greenhouses, big red hotels.
2: Okay.
1: It kind of, it was always there. Yeah. So, and it, and it was a natural progression because in my mind, you know, buytelets are great, and I still do buytelets, still love them. They're great, but one HMO is equivalent to about five good buytelets. Yeah. And then I thought, well, look. I now want to find a model where I can, you know, one hotel can be five good HMOs. So that's kind of where we started was looking at um, finding a model, creating a model within, you know, the kind of small boutique hotel market. And and that's what we did.
0: So what is it about that model then that that you like? So you you purchased the first one of those two years ago, is
1: it? (laughs) Yeah 2019 what are we now 22 yeah so I no, back yeah it got on for 3 years ago now um, in um, a coastal town in Merseyside just stop the coast in Liverpool and Southport yeah um it was an you know we had a build team there in Liverpool so it was it, it made sense to do something in that area yeah. um, Southport was it was you know one of these kind of coastal towns that had its heyday you know back in the 50s 60s yeah. um, kind of went a bit you know down at heel during the 70s 80s when everyone went to (laughs) Torremolinos, um and um started to you know start to come back now when you know people are looking more at staycations and the you know and um and seeing what's you know what we've got here in the uk so yeah the, the the challenge was finding a model in hotels it didn't mean running a hotel yeah Okay, so I wanted to own hotels. and didn't want to run hotels. Um, and the idea really came from, you know, at this point as well, I was doing a lot of training and mentoring. And I used to spend a lot of time all over the country, you know, um, working with students at, like, in the field. And I would stay in a lot of different types of places. You know, I would go through a phase of staying in B&Bs or in Premier Inns or in whatever. Um, and pretty much every b and I ever went to, you'd always get chatting with the owner because, you know, you learn in property to always talk to people, yeah. you know, so you'd always get chatting to the owner and pretty much without fail, they would, when, as soon as they found out I was in property, they'd say, do you want to buy this? Yeah. Do you want to buy my hotel? Do you want to buy my B&B? We want to retire. We can't retire.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, when you hear something like that, it's always, you know, your brain starts working on, yeah. well, what's the opportunity here? I'm not, I don't want to own and operate a bnB and b but what's the opportunity?
2: Yeah.
1: Um Kind of worked out the opportunity really was to take these great buildings in good locations you know often you find these lovely victorian edwardian buildings in in good locations in nice towns where the owners lived there um, they operated a bnb they were up at 5 30 cooking breakfast every morning and kind of ticking up ticking it along <clears throat> and I thought well look if you, if, if you didn't have anyone own, live there yeah you've just gained back like maybe a third of that building yeah. that could be let. I and mean, you just had to find a way to automate things so you didn't need to, to, um, to live there and operate it. So that was a challenge. So, uh, and then, you know, taking kind of what I learned from HMOs is that, you know, the more revenue earning rooms you've got, the higher your value is going to be. Particularly as you go, obviously more into commercial world. So, so that so that's kind of helped create that model, which was look for essentially tired old B&Bs, the yeah. owners that one of a tire, where you can essentially take back the space that they lived in and turn it into revenue-earning space and then find a way to automate it. So that that was the model, and that's where we started, and that's exactly what we did in Southport. And you're
0: stripping out... Some of the chunky costs there as well aren't you because obviously if they're living on site and having to draw their income from that business directly then you know you're stripping that away you don't you're not reliant on that 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 bnb to pay your salary and so you're stripping out the kind of staffing element of that so that um it suddenly becomes a, a much more profitable enterprise doesn't it
1: exactly yeah it, it, it was looking at the cost and seeing what is a big cost in running hotels and it's all you know the you know i did some research on it, and it was always staffing
2: yeah
1: <clears throat> staffing was the biggest cost well if you eliminate that <clears throat> then you know you, you you don't have to fill your hotel you know every night to make it make it profitable you you know we worked out obviously you do need some staff because i'm not going to be going and turning rooms over and you know doing that you know so we we, we got it down to you know one member of staff yeah. part-time that has to kind of be there
2: yeah. and
1: run things um so that's all you needed yeah. you know you can automate everything else you don't need a check-in desk because you can automate that um we, we don't have a food offering because really these days does anyone really book a hotel for the breakfast if, if it's there it's a bonus yeah. but you know pretty much wherever you go there's a cost of coffee around the corner. Yeah. Um, and in Southport, you know, we're two minutes away from the main street where there's loads of cafes and, and coffee shops. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we kind of thought, well, look, you know, there is still a market for those people that want the b experience. Great. Yeah. Go and have that. Ours is something different. Ours is going to be more of a boutique hotel experience without the food offering. Um, but we're going to make up for that by having really high quality fixtures and fittings um we're gonna make sure it's well located everything's automated really good strong wi-fi connection things like that things for the modern that the modern person wants sure you know everything on suite so that was that was the model and then
0: the big c word came along um and i'm sure a lot of people listening will be intrigued as to how you found navigating Covid, obviously, we know it had a massive impact on the hospitality industry. Um, so, how did you how did you find navigating that that part of it? Because I think I think you had a, a self contained element to the to the property, didn't you? Which probably helped.
1: Well, yeah the the the, the, the building was a kind of a Edwardian semi detached, yeah, three okay. story, four story building, four story building, and the owners lived in a flat that was attached to the back. And that for me was the bonus and that flat had a nice garden. It was really quite, you know, you know, a nice kind of mature garden, quiet. And that was kind of the bonus. In the. Deal. I always look for a bonus in the deal. And that was it for me. And I thought, well, that the, the only accommodation there can be, and it was all kind of connected to the back of the hotel. I thought, well, actually, if you separate that off, um, then you've got self-contained flat, which can be, you know, with a garden, which is really sought after there. There's not many of them. I looked, you know, looking at the competition, there was no other holiday flats with really nice gardens. Mm. So it was a kind of real selling point. So we separated off that flat and and, and um, made that self-contained Airbnb apartments short-term letting, and then the hotel was the kind of serviced hotel model. Um, so when COVID struck, well, I mean, we were literally about to open the doors. I mean, we, we, we were scheduled to open the doors March 2020. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah know, yeah, COVID came along, and obviously we couldn't open doors. But because we didn't really have any costs, I mean, our costs were literally a mortgage on the building, and, and ticking over the utilities.
2: Yeah,
1: didn't have any staffing costs because you know um, we, we you know the way we set things up, it was a part time contract. We did kind of keep our our part time manager in there we, we paid a retainer for to just yeah. keep keep the place ticking over
2: yeah.
1: um and uh, but that that was really our costs were really minimal so we didn't need to earn a lot yeah to keep it ticking over and the way that covid worked with you know the hospitality industry was that we could actually rent out the flat we could yeah. use the, the, the short the, the flat short-term letting which we did and we got
0: and key workers and people like that.
1: Correct. Yeah, we we had key workers going there and we let some of the hotel to key workers as well. Um but um yeah, the, I mean the government's um subsidies were, were were good, you know, we we got business rates relief, um you know, we got various grants from the government that that, that made it very easy to tick over. Yeah. Um for, for that year, so even without those we would have ticked over yeah uh, i've just you've got just by a that point, a
0: positively cash flowing portfolio anyway to a degree and i know you don't want one property to have to lean on the others in order yeah. to survive but you know needs must it sort of all goes into the mix doesn't it
1: exactly you know yeah the 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 HMOs were all there, there were students in there you know that's you know that that they weren't too much affected yeah um and the, and the buy sets always stick along. Um, so, yeah, they, they, you know, the, the portfolio, that's the idea of having, as you say, the balanced portfolio is that, you know, you're not relying on, on one element of it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, no ticks along fine. I mean, it was just frustrating yeah. that we couldn't yeah. open. But as soon as we did, May 21, Yeah. Um, you know, it was off the scale. I mean, we were full from...
0: Last, last summer's staycation boom was just... Yeah. Wasn't
1: it? It was great, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've made all our money back, you know, in five months of the year, basically.
0: Yeah. And it can't have been too much of a negative experience because you're now looking at and, and have moved on your your second one, aren't you? Yeah.
1: So so for us, it was, about, you know, establishing that model, um, making sure it worked on something, I guess, in a cheaper location. But we live in Edinburgh and we always wanted to do something close to home. Edinburgh is expensive. Um So we kind of tested the model out down there and then we started looking for something closer to home and we, yeah, we agreed a a purchase on, on, on kind of also like our dream property in Edinburgh to do this with, which was, um, a, a Georgian townhouse right in in the West End, you know, five minute walk into, into those Edinburgh into Prince's street, George street, the the main shopping areas, um, beautiful building. It's, uh, it was, you know, battered old offices, um, and we're going to, you know, bring that back into use as a boutique high-end, you know, service guest house. That's kind of what we're calling it. That's the model, service guest house. Um, Yeah, and, you know, the the numbers were significantly different, you know, quite a lot higher uh, to do something like this in Edinburgh. But um, the beauty of Edinburgh is that it's an all-year-round market. So Southport is a little bit more seasonal. Edinburgh's all-year-round. Um, it's, it's always busy. There's always tourists in Edinburgh. Um, and another opportunity is that Edinburgh are are trying to eliminate all the Airbnbs from the city centre. So those owners who've got like a two bed flat, um, and let it out short term that that's, that's, that's going, that market is disappearing. Um, so, you know, that's a, that's a big element of the competition. Won't be able to do that anymore.
0: So they're doing that by introducing a similar uh, setup to what happens in greater london aren't they so effectively yeah. applying a 90-day a rule to, to to short stay lets. us
1: yeah. yeah yeah and they're also making it harder to get through planning as well and they're making it they're they're, they're, they're making it that um you know you have to apply for planning yeah. if you if you want to let your flat out short term and you almost certainly won't be allowed um so yeah that that's that's what's happening here. so yeah so market-wise you know it's good edinburgh as i say, all year round um yeah there's a lot that's, that, that that went into this we didn't just that's what i'm probably going to try and get across to you know some of the guys listening here is that made it sound quite simple yeah we decided to buy a georgian townhouse in edinburgh it's really not that easy to get into that market you know there's a lot of people wanting to buy georgian townhouses in edinburgh Yeah, you know, and we're kind of newbies into that market there's people who've been doing this for for years uh, so we had to work really, really hard to get that. And that's where everything we'd learned in our, I don't like this word, but I say it anyway, journey to date, how to, you know, speak to people, create opportunities, how to, you know, get yourself into a market, how to prove yourself in a market. Um, we had to employ all of those tactics to be able to, to secure this building. We had a lot of competition. There was 10, 10 other parties who were well-known in Edinburgh. For this kind of thing and we beat them all to
0: presumably get this it went to seal bids did it yeah, So it, yeah. you had to find a way to not knowing how the financial numbers offers were going to land presumably you had to find a way to differentiate yourself as well
1: yeah well i mean our, our bid wasn't the highest bid okay um so you know it goes to best and final offers and the, the keyword there is best yeah and it's not highest not always highest offer yeah. um yeah. So our best offer was that we had done a lot of due diligence on the building.
2: Yeah,
1: We'd got surveys done, structural surveys done. Before we even knew you know, we we could buy it, we, we got structural surveys done. And then the buyers really liked that. We also put a CV together yeah. and, we, and we showed them our experience. We showed them that we've done a hotel down yeah. south and this is what we're going to do with the building. Yeah. Um, and they really liked all of that. They they, they they saw that we were serious. Yeah, Proof of funds and all of that was all there as well. Yeah. Proof of lending. Because um, they had a lot of people who just, you know, a bit blase yeah. in that market. Oh yeah, we'll buy that. Yeah, here's, here's our offer, but nothing but to back it up. And then we'll, we'll figure out what to do with it later. Yeah, and they really like the fact we knew exactly what we we're doing with it. We've done it before. Yeah. Here's our finances. We've done our due diligence. We're not going to come back and chip the price down because we discover yeah. that it's got an issue. Yeah. Um. And that's what got us the. That's what got us a deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like. And, and so you've really brought to bear, like you say, the full weight of your everything you've learned and, and and your knowledge and experience over the, over the, over the years that you've been investing. So just to go back, I wanted to ask you your take or your advice, I guess, on education and getting and getting educated because clearly that's, that's, you know, the, the reason why you're doing the deals that you're doing is through the knowledge that you've acquired along the way. But, I think it's still fair to say that there is a lot of scepticism out there around education, property education, that side of things. So anyone who's looking to start out and is unsure about whether or not they should invest in themselves and invest in their education, what's your take on that? What's your advice for someone who's just starting out?
1: My advice is is to get your ego out of the way. Okay. You know, we've all got an ego. You know, when I started, I was sceptical about education. You know, I had the, the, the thought that. You know, I get people asking me about it. I had someone the other day, um, one of my coaching clients asked me about it. Um, if you're so successful in property, well, why are you why are you training people? Yeah, you know, I'm sure you've had the same question. Yeah, and you see
0: it on all the um, Facebook forums, don't you? Yeah, Anytime yeah, anyone yeah. asks for recommendations, yeah. the number of people that pretty much, uh, yeah, um, roll out that comment yeah uh, well you don't you know, or, or there's plenty of free resources on youtube
1: yeah so yeah oh you can see. just you can just watch a youtube video it's fine you know you can go and learn on on, on a free resource on youtube okay um i'll say to you, like on, on you go. go 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 and watch your free resource on youtube Let, let's check in in five years time and see where you're at yeah and um i can pretty much guarantee you'll still be where, where you want out
2: yeah
1: um that's the bottom line but people don't like to hear it but the, the, you know, honestly, the 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 money we spent on education, which was a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know, twenty five odd grand, yeah. um, it is the best money we ever spent by far, by, you know, a million times yeah. it is the best money we ever spent, yeah. um, because it just it changed everything. It it showed us what was possible. We worked with people that we trusted, that we knew were also doing stuff. That's the key.
2: Yeah,
1: there's a lot of edu- there's a lot of quote marks educators out there that are very opaque about yeah. what they actually do and yeah. um, you know and, and and they I see it I see people question well you know are you actually doing something and they're like well I don't need to be showing you what I do blah 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 and it's like well I don't know for me that doesn't ring true it's like well why why wouldn't you be showing people what you do if you' if you' if you're doing something so yeah. that my, my advice is get educated because yeah. it, will, it will transform where you are but I mean, I'm going to caveat that by say like only if you really want to do this yeah. You know, if you just think about dabbling, then go 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 dabble.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but if you actually want to change your life and, yeah. and do this properly, yeah, you have to get educated like anything in life. You gotta learn. You've got to learn the trade. And the best way to do that is by learning from people that have done it and can help you. You know, why do I train? Because I really enjoy training. Yeah. I really like helping people through the barriers that you're gonna come up against as, as a property investor which are innumerable there's still you know we still have we've just had a conversation before we started this mark about you know current barriers that there are current problems yeah yeah. you know I think people have this 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 perceived idea that you know oh you get educated you do a bit of training and then you know everything it's like oh no (laughs) you're always learning we're always training but I love training people because I like I know that everyone can do this I know that not everyone will for whatever reason but everyone can and I like to help people get through those barriers and yeah. you know help them change their own lives yeah. by showing them what they can do and by encouraging them and sometimes, you know, pushing them out of comfort zones to do things that they would otherwise be uncomfortable doing.
2: Yeah.
1: I needed that. Yeah. Now I know because it's human nature that it's, <clears throat> you know, if there's no one pushing you, it's very easy to not do the things you need to do. Yeah. You know, it's easy to put that off and, and to make excuses. Yeah. Um, but variety is if you want to get where you want to go, go and learn from people that have done it. Yeah. And as long as they have, you know, you, they can back up what they're saying with with a proven history of doing it. Yeah. Um. You know, if someone comes to me and wants me to train them how to do building from scratch out of the ground, I, I say, but that's not me. Yeah. I don't yeah. train that because I've never done it. Yeah. I know I know people that have done it. Go and speak to
2: yeah.
1: go and speak to Paul. <laughs> you know. Um but if it is something I've done, then yeah, I love training because yeah. um I, lo- I love seeing the light bulb moment when 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 students get it, they understand they suddenly see the path and see the see the clarity and see how they can actually do it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the key, isn't it? It's the integrity that comes with the fact that you're walking the path, you're still walking the path, you're still actively investing now. And 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 so what what has changed for you? So we're sat here now, you're sat in your lovely kitchen by the looks of it on a on a Monday yeah. morning. You're not, you're not, you're not climbing the corporate ladder anymore. So so how have things changed for you? Yeah.
1: It's all about living life on our terms. So, so Cal and I went and had a game of tennis this morning. So dropped the kids off at school, went and had a hit on the on the tennis court, I've come back, and now talking to you. Um the rest of the day, we're meeting a builder up at um, up at the, the new hotel project. Yeah. Um, bit of admin to do it's a bit annoying but it has to be done sometimes um and then yeah we both go and pick the kids up and then we go to the um they go swimming after school Uh, i've got our go to our where we play tennis at david lloyd club go there and they both have swimming both have tennis and we'll just kind of hang out with them for the afternoon that's our day today yeah um tomorrow i think we've booked another court for tomorrow morning so that's that's twice twice in a week mark that she's allowed me to play tennis with her Amazing. Right. Caroline, just to caveat, uh, my other half, Caroline, she's, um, she's a very good tennis player. Um, you know, she was like a junior Scottish champion or whatever. Um, and I've had to try and, you know, work hard to to be allowed to share the court with her. Yeah. But you know, I'm honoured that I've done it. Yeah, that'll be twice this week. So, uh, so yeah, it's about living life on our terms, um, being able to do things we want to do. Um, you know, not, you know, we have, don't get me wrong, we have busy and stressful weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's our choice but it's on I'm your
0: not, it's on your terms and you get to it and you get to be very present as a as a mum and dad to your, your yeah. kids and everything else. Yeah.
1: A- absolutely yeah and that's what it you know is really about it's time time with the family. You know we just had a nice trip over the over Christmas to America went skiing and California and just stuff like you know dream holiday really for for, yeah. for for our boys um you know holidays and travel is a big part of what we do um what we like to do um yeah. but yeah Living life on our terms doesn't mean it isn't stressful yeah. at times, yeah. but it does mean that you know we can have days like today. Yeah. And um,
0: yeah, cool. So, yeah. looking back on the last few years, and maybe looking back to how you got started, or is, is there is there anything you do different? Is there anything you look back on and go, actually, if I could rewind the clock, I would do that better, quicker, or I wouldn't do that. Uh, anything on, on, along those lines?
1: Yeah, there is. Um, when I first started investing in Birmingham, the student houses, it, I worked hard against breaking into that market. It was a very competitive market. Yeah. And um, the first house I bought there, you know, I had to work really, really hard to get the agents on side to, to get that deal, and I did. Then it was, it was, a, it was a block of three, and I bought the middle one. And then, within, as soon as the owners either side knew that the middle one had gone to a developer student houses the other two came up really quickly
2: yeah
1: and I got offered them exclusively yeah at the time I hadn't done the big build yet
2: okay
1: and I hadn't proven the model
2: yeah
1: so maybe I was a bit overcautious and I said well look I'm going to do this one first and then and then you know they just come a bit too soon for me to do it so you know to commit to doing three at the same time was was quite full-on big things I hadn't done one as I said this was moving from like a a 10 to 15k refurb to what I knew was going to be a 90k refurb. So, you know, it was a very different ball game back at that time. But the market in Birmingham moved really, really quickly. And I went from, you know, we did a few deals there. Um, did a number of houses there, but I probably could have done double the amount yeah. in the time. and knowing what I know now, I could have easily done double the amount yeah. before the market kind of really closed up. And yeah. then I couldn't I couldn't get hold of them anymore, yeah. so I kind of missed an opportunity to do more. That knowing what I know now, I, you know, I had all the thoughts of how am I going to finance three builds?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, I didn't have all the knowledge that I have now. I know now that I could have staggered the, I could have staggered the purchases. I yeah. raised the money I needed for the builds,
0: yeah.
1: and I could have really snapped up a, a much larger portfolio in a much shorter period of time.
0: And so if you were mentoring someone now who's in exactly that position, you'd be saying to them, what, you know, grab the opportunity, you'll find the money, you know, you'd be telling them to go for it, would
1: you? percent. I'd be like, look, you can buy a block of three right here. We know this is a great market. Yeah. Um, you know, let's break down what the actual issues are around not doing three. Normally it will come down to confidence money. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'll be showing them how we can stagger the purchases, yeah. raise the money, stagger the developments and get them all done
2: yeah
1: yeah for sure yeah so that's 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 my yeah that's the one that haunts me okay (laughs) there's another one that haunts me as well which is it happened really early on um i was down at um, rick's house in watford and um there was a pub on the market um it's like a pub in a residential area that was obviously a house got turned into a pub and they were selling this thing for 300 grand in auction
2: yeah
1: the houses, just little three-bed houses on the same street were going for that. Yeah. And there was people queuing up to buy those. Nobody was buying this pub.
2: Yeah.
1: And I was doing all the numbers in my head, and like, that's got to be a great purchase. Yeah. I didn't do it. Somebody else did it, turned it into 12 apartments, and probably made themselves a million pounds.
0: Now you've got massive FOMO yeah yeah you never want so, uh, that person do you that's uh walking past something somebody should really do something with that
1: <laughs> yeah so that was right at the beginning before i really did had done any training or anything but again that, that's 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 one it that wants me
0: yeah i, I wrote a director vendor letter this morning actually because i had that same realization that i even now i'd been walking past this particular commercial property um and i'd been thinking god that's a great building someone should really do stuff but i hadn't even though i know what i know i hadn't got off my backside and god you know what Let's do some digging let, let, yeah. Let's find out how to do something with it. But, excellent. So what's next for you? So obviously you've got to really focus on the on the hotel and, and making that work and everything else, but what's sort of anything else on the horizon or where do you go from here?
1: Yeah, we've got another on viewing. We've got viewing this week on, an, on, on another hotel to line up in Edinburgh. So we're already looking for the next one, even though we haven't even started the build on this one yet. But we know already that we'll be doing another one. So we're starting the process of viewing with our agents, it's, you know, keeping them with our agents, making them aware that we're not just here for one. We're going to be rolling out a model here. <clears throat> so for sure. Yeah. It's it, it's um, already start the process for looking for the next hotel in Adam
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, Nick, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I know that, uh, like I said, I know you don't do loads and loads of these things. So um, it's been a privilege. I'm sure our listeners will have will have taken so many nuggets from that and just hearing your story about how you built things up from um you know in 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 a logical sense if you like um and and followed that that kind of path so i think that's going to be a really key message for a lot of people who are in that position thinking right like you said how how does how does someone scale a portfolio how do you end up owning 20 properties um so you've mapped it out perfectly for everybody so thank you for that
1: brilliant thanks mark i really enjoyed that so um maybe i'll do more i don't know no i'll keep it i'll stay exclusive
0: Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, take care, Nick, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Mark. You too. Take care. What I love about talking to Nick is the way that he practices what he preaches. There is no do as I say and not what I do here. Nick is living and breathing what he is showing his students how to do every single day. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would give us a share and a mention on social media. We just want to reach and add value to as many budding investors as we possibly can. Thank you for listening and I will catch you on the next episode.